0: This episode is brought to you by our Patreon page over at Patreon.com/slash/GamezillaMedia, which means this episode is brought to us by you, right? That's how not, it works. no, not me. No, no, the fan. Right? Yeah, yes. the, the listener. We're talking. When I say you, I mean the listeners. Yes, the the figurative you. Right? Yes,
1: but nobody else is in
0: here with us as we record this. Who are I'm you lo- talking I, about? I'm looking at the computer when I say it. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Alright, so just go to GameZilla Media on Patreon.com. There you'll be able to choose your patronage level and get different access to the shows. So you can get exclusive content for *The Legend of Retro* and *Noobs and Dragons*. Noobs and Dragons—the show with that handsome devil, Craig WK? Well, almost all of those words were right. Yeah. And if you go on there and sign up, you can also get access to a private Discord channel in our Discord group. Basically, the more dollars you give us, the more things we can give you. Exactly. So go to patreoncom media and become a patron today. Do it. Yeah. Prepare yourselves for a journey through history.
1: Get equipped for adventure.
0: Grab your power gloves and super scopes.
1: For it's dangerous to go alone.
0: This is The Legend of Retro.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of The Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK. With me is my buddy from The Legend of Retro, The Glitch. Yep, I'm here. Let's do it and we also have uh my special buddy uh who is also on another show with me at this point sean hey everybody how's it going sean the arcade phantom is uh with me here as well and uh we're talking about a uh a game from acclaim uh that is bart versus the space
2: mutants yeah uh, released in 1991 uh february i believe yeah uh, by Acclaim, so uh, developed by Imaginary Inc. Yeah, they uh, did a lot of other games.
1: <laughs> uh, so Bart vs. the Space Mutants is a platformer, and it stars Bart from The Simpsons, obviously, as he uh, thwarts an alien race as they attempt to make a weapon to conquer the Earth. Uh, they they went real hard on this plot because, like you know, like aside from Halloween specials, you didn't really get a lot of this kind of stuff from The Simpsons, at all. And they decided, you know what? This is what we're making our game based on. Well, Bart's always had a space mutant
3: toy sitting on his headboard next to his bed.
1: That's true, and he goes to see the
3: movies
2: a lot. Hmm.
3: But it's a very early Simpsons thing. It's not like something that continued in the series. Once no. King and Kodos came out, they were gone. Yeah, because
2: that's the. I mean, that's it for the aliens. Is King Kodos? They don't. Yeah. They don't bring these characters back at all. I mean so to the game it's like its own these are the own characters basically.
1: And it's weird too because like the the space mutants at this point have been established. Like they, they show us what they look like in the Simpsons. They're like kind of blob-like and they have a lot of different arms. But in this the aliens look kind of like creepy and Lovecraftian. <laughs> like the like the the, the ones in the cutscenes especially, the ones that don't look like the rest of the aliens you fight, they're real creepy looking.
2: Are you guys familiar with a vast. That's the uh, like the virus protection program. The logo for them looks exactly like the little creatures' heads because they got like the little sprouts coming. Oh, out of Oh the... yeah, that no, yeah. pops up on my I, computer all the time. I wonder if they stole that from the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, they just ganked it. They're like some guy playing Bart versus the Space Mutants back in '91. Was just like, I'm gonna run with this idea. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, if the game came out in 91, you got to figure The Simpsons is, what, two years old at
2: that point? Only
1: about two years old.
3: So they were working with early production designs and maybe some of season one.
2: So uh, so a little bit on that. Uh, so Gary Kitchen is the main uh, developer of this game. Uh-huh. He's the one that started uh, uh, in Imagineering. Yeah. He actually got a call from the one of the guys from Acclaim that wanted him to do research on this game before the show even aired. Mm -hmm. So back before uh, Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire even aired, they were already talking about making this game. Really? Yep. And so you got to figure, I mean, development, like six months maybe, the game came out in February, that was, I mean, basically it's only the first season they're working off of, of material. Yeah, just about.
1: Uh, It is only about the first season then. Uh, That or ideas for the second season, You you know, nothing set in stone, I'm sure. Uh, although they they have to make the episodes at least somewhat in advance, you know, but maybe not that far in advance.
3: Animation takes a long time, so
1: oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh,
3: but everything was outsourced to Korea at that time. Korea was doing all the animation for The Simpsons. So hmm. a lot of that would be having to get still sent over from Korea to America to look at them and actually make designs off of them.
1: Weird. Yeah, that, that seems like a, a kind of, a, a I don't know, kind of a, a clunky back and forth, you know, <laughs> like, oh, send us the stills. Wait, you know, like the what week, week or so to, to get them in the mail, you know, because I mean, it's not like they really hit the Internet or anything. So they were stuck waiting on. I mean, I guess airmail they could have had it in a couple days. But man, yeah, that's uh, that's weird. Uh, so I do want to talk about the gameplay for Bart versus Space Mutants because it's real interesting. Ahead of its time. It kind of was. It was kind of had some puzzle elements to it. Uh, I I will say. Uh, I I feel like the first level is real clever, and then it kind of goes downhill from there. Uh, so the you know some levels have puzzles, and then others are a little bit more heavily influenced, like on uh, like platforming. But like the controls are really bad. Oh, they're terrible. They're oh.
0: real
2: bad. The same button for jump is the same button to speed up. Right. So in order to jump, you have to take your button off the speed button to jump, and you lose your speed.
1: Or there is a super jump, but then at that point, you're not using the jump button to jump. You're running with the jump button, and then you're hitting the action button, which then becomes a jump. (laughs) Select changes your items. Start uses them. Could you not pause this game? So
3: funny that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. I first played this game on my Atari ST. I didn't play it on my NES like (laughs) you guys so there were separate jump buttons and action buttons because it was all on a keyboard.
2: How fortunate.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it had to be nice <laughs> for you. It's still a bad game.
2: <laughs> yeah, the uh there uh, is a pause button by the way. It's oh. it's in the select <laughs> menu. <laughs>
1: Oh, so you have to—it's like an item.
2: Yeah, you have to cycle through. Yeah, it's like firecracker, wrench. Pause.
1: <laughs> so like, it, like if you're in a frenzy and like Jimbo Jones is beating you up, and you just have to like go, oh, come on, come on, oh god, I missed it, and then you have to like cycle back through. Yep, that's so weird. That is so like what? Like why did they think that was a good idea? Why? It, like it? I mean, at that point, Legend of Zelda was out, right? Yeah. Right? Like, they yeah. could have just paused, choose item, go back in.
2: Oh, so I actually thought this was hilarious. Uh-huh. So, like, no, so February 91. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking just months away from the SNES coming out. And yeah, games that were off. coming out at that time were Battletoads, Shatterhand, Joe and Mac, TMNT3, G.I. Joe, Tiny Toons. I mean, these games that, like, are, I think, pretty advanced. Sure. Like, at this point, people have realized how we can use as much of this 8-bit console mm-hmm. as possible and then you get a game like this
1: <laughs> honestly if you had told me this was made like through the product of like a time machine back in like nineteen eighty like 8 i would have been like yeah okay I-, I saw the game before that makes sense yeah yeah it's it's real weird but i mean it is a licensed game and let's face it more often than not licensed games don't get a lot of attention they just, you know, they're they're there for the money. It's there for the cash it's grab. It's like a
2: stigma. Anytime you get a, a game based off of a TV show or a movie, it's, it's, it's already a disaster to begin. with.
3: Usually, yeah. Unless Sunsoft touched it in the NES era, because everything they made was gold
1: movie-wise. Batman, Gremlins. Yeah, that's true. Sunsoft knew what they were doing with licensed properties. Even Capcom didn't know what they were doing with licensed <laughs> properties in the uh, the Nintendo era. That Mickey Mouse game was real crummy oh yeah it was oh. <laughs> it was real bad but i mean their other licensed games
3: were really good like DuckTales was great okay yeah, DuckTales was great, was so yeah. Good, yeah but not
1: all of them yeah like like i think by the super nintendo capcom was like almost everything they touched was gold when it came to disney but you know there, there were a few crummier uh, uh disney games did they did capcom also do the 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 theme park like the disneyland like theme park video game I don't remember who did that
2: one. I don't know that game.
1: Oh, it's a Magical Kingdom or something like that. It's like this kid who has to go through all the different like park rides and stuff. So there's like a level based on the Haunted Mansion, one oh. based on Space Mountain. Interesting. It, it's kind of interesting. It is interesting. It's just not especially good, <laughs> at least from what I remember. What's
2: even more disheartening about the fact that this game, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's good. <laughs> So, I mean,
1: <laughs> it has a lot of flaws. So,
2: you have Gary Kitchen, which, mm-hmm. uh, if you do know, he is the one who ported Donkey Kong to the Atari 2600. He worked for Vision, considered like this well known programmer. Yeah. He even brought on David Kane as an additional programmer, who mm-hmm. is the one who did Pitfall. He did all these Atari games oh. for uh, Activision back yeah. in the day. And they team up, and this is what they created. <laughs>
1: I appreciate the question mark at the end of that. Uh, You know what? Yeah, I I feel like, I don't know. I I feel like there's some really good ideas. And I feel like they just probably ran out of time or something. It was probably deadlines that caused this game to be so bad.
2: And that is true. That is something that uh, Gary did say in an interview he did. um, Mm. That uh, they were supposed to get this game out before Christmas originally. That was the original deadline. And then they pushed it out. It It got released in January. Uh, for shipment and then they said he said that was the the biggest issue was the deadline because we couldn't you know Touch up later levels. They became a lot more difficult. I don't, I, I played this game. Mm-hmm. I can only get past the first level It's not
1: easy it mostly the I mean the controls are the the main problem It's they're so they're so clumsy and stuff, you know, and, and finicky I uh, But like, you know, yeah, it, it, it's not an easy game, and I feel like it needed some polish and and you know, like I said, that first level isn't bad. There's the, the controls still aren't great, but there's a lot of interesting ideas and a lot of like almost maniac mansion style, like mm-hmm. weird puzzles and ideas. Like uh uh so so I, I wanna go through kind of like run through the game a bit. Yeah, we'll go level. So so the first level uh is downtown Springfield. You actually have characters in it that you would know you have locations from the show there's actually a fair amount of detail that went into that first level you have places like barney's bolorama like that's kind of a weird like place to throw in there right obviously the quickie mart is in there you have the statue of jebediah springfield uh bart can uh in order to uh uh because in the first level And this is the plot of the game. The aliens need certain items in each level in order to make their doomsday weapon. Yeah, their ultimate weapon, as they call it. The ultimate weapon. And so the first level, you need to remove purple items, destroy them, collect them. Whatever the case may be, you need to make them not purple because that's what's going to fuel the the, the alien's weapon. Purple. The color purple. The, the, The awesome might of the color purple is what's going to ruin it.
2: Craig, you sound surprised that that wouldn't be an ideal ingredient in order to make the ultimate weapon. Listen, I've made a
1: lot of doomsday weapons, The Glitch, and uh, I can tell you that uh, I've never once fueled it on the color purple. Purple is a fruit. I'll give you that, but it is not magnet
3: for a doomsday weapon. Listen, colors are super important in sci-fi. Green Lantern was weak against
1: yellow at the time. Right. Maybe
3: they're going off that?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe? It's a you're reaching, I'm Sean, reaching really far. <laughs> you're, you're reaching real far. But you know what? I appreciate it. I'll take it. Uh, so I uh, uh, Mo Sizlak is wearing a purple shirt, but he's in the bar. Like, And I don't know how you're supposed to know this, really. But if you collect a coin, you can go to the payphone, use it, call Moe. And he actually goes through one of his crank calls and which, you know, it's a very tame one compared to the Simpsons. It's uh, he asks for Isabel and then Isabel ringing. <laughs> 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 which is kind of lame, but whatever you call him out and he runs out and you spray paint his shirt and run away before he like beats you up because he's Mo and he's a crazy lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to beat a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was that episode where he threatened Jimbo Jones with a knife. Like that was messed up. <laughs> Mo's scary. Moe's real scary. So you have him, you have, uh, 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 when you get to the skateboarding part of the level, uh, you uh, skate against Jimbo Jones, the boss of the level is Nelson Months, yep. the 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 ultimate enemy of Bart in the first season, mm-hmm. because you know you had that episode Bart the General where it was him getting beaten up.
2: Yeah, they you get know? into a fight at the school.
1: Oh yeah, Bart gets his. The, his teeth knocked out by nelson like it's a a ridiculous beating and so he was the the you know the boss of like the first level and you made stuff me
2: ble- bleed my own blood <laughs>
1: <laughs> such a good line and so yeah so the first level is like you know the the controls bring it down of course like uh oh uh you go past the uh the uh the the retirement you know home mm-hmm. you know where uh grandpa is in fact there's a a, a neat little thing where if you I think it's like if you I don't remember what it is. If you like I uh, uh, like make noise or something like outside of like the last window, grandpa appears in the window and he throws out a bunch <laughs> of coins and it's like, oh, no, that's kind of kind of neat. And it's, you know, sort of funny that, you know, in later Simpsons episodes, he would talk about how like rich people would throw yeah. <laughs> silver, silver dollars, <laughs> silver dollars at people and stuff. So, like, you know, I obviously that wasn't. Really, the reference there, but yeah, I feel like that first level is actually gold. Yeah,
2: it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of secrets in there. Uh, I mean, you get to talk to Jebediah. He'll talk <laughs> oh, to you. I mean, yeah, he says like a little like, uh, "It's important to get ahead." Wah, wah. yeah What? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, okay, so so purple items. So Bart goes through the level. He gets rid of all the purple items. He turns them red. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the aliens didn't think that through. So I mean, <laughs> ideally, the next step you failed on purple items. I mean, what do you do next?
1: I mean, my first thought is, like, okay, so I guess the next level is going to be, like, like red items. I mean, because that's what Bart turned them all into, right? Like, now there's more red items. It makes sense. Right? Right? Right, right guys? I mean, i go with hats. Clearly. <laughs> Sean, do you go with hats as well? I'd go with food.
3: Food seems like a basic power-up. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, the glitch wins, because
1: level two, you collect hats.
2: I will say that I would... <laughs> the food does sound like a better choice.
1: <laughs> it does, but hats—I don't know why. So, so the aliens are like, "All right, all right, back to the drawing board." Hats, and you know what? Is it like? Is it like the leader just super powerful compared to the rest of his followers? Because you think one of the aliens would be like, "Sir, hats is a stupid idea. <laughs> why, why, why are we playing around with hats? This is dumb. Like, this is really dumb." So you get to the second level, and it's at Springfield Mall, and you know when. When you're playing through it, like my first thought is, oh, there's a lot of stores at the mall, like the Leftorium. Uh, Lionel Hutz's law office is at the Springfield Mall. Like, there's a lot of uh, what is it? I can't believe it's a law firm. Yep. Uh, you know, so there's uh there's a lot of you know references they could put in, and they don't. There's like almost no references in the second level except for the boss. Now, I thought the mid boss was uh, Seymour Skinner. Now, what do you guys think? Because when I was looking online, I didn't see them mention Skinner as the mid-boss for the second level, but he kind of looked
2: like Skinner to me. I thought he kind of looked like one of the lawyers
3: for Mr. Burns.
2: Maybe one of the lawyers. No, I, I agree. I thought he looked like Skinner. So it doesn't I, say that it's Skinner. In the walkthrough,
1: I saw it did specifically reference some other characters that we'll get to soon that were kind of like low key. I thought like, oh, like is that that character? And when I saw the walkthrough, I was like, oh yeah, they mentioned that it is that character. That's weird. I thought I was the only maniac who knew that much about the Simpsons, but they don't reference. Skinner being the mid-boss in that level, so I'm a little torn. A part of me wants it to be Skinner, but even if Sean is saying, like, oh, I thought it was a random lawyer or something, like, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, the graphics aren't great. Yeah.
3: Also, going with the whole
1: leftorium thing, huh. none of that existed yet. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's the he first still worked season, for the pharmacy. You're right. He was still working for the pharmacy because that was season two when uh, uh, Wind
3: Flanders failed, the episode. Yep. And then there's also Lionel Hutz isn't introduced until Bart gets hit by a car
1: in season two. Season two, you're right. So yeah, season 1 I guess didn't have the mall. You're right. So I I'm 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 putting the expectations real real high <laughs> considering they didn't know it existed. Yet. Yeah, the mall was just radical coming off the 80s. That's where all the kids hung out. And people with hats. Yep. So and that's a, another kind of interesting thing is I, I one of the gimmicks of the game is that aliens are taking over the ran, like random people. So like it, you have to like select x-ray specs and then it lets you see if someone's being like has been taken over by an alien. You jump on their head, and the alien flies out, and you get a, a coin, uh, which will uh, give you a letter for one of the Simpson family's names, and they help you with the boss. So, like in uh, the first level, it's uh, Maggie. Maggie, you're right. First level is Maggie.
2: Yeah, she'll, th- she'll what she'll do is she'll throw a bowling ball, and you hit the bowling ball at Nelson.
1: Yeah, and then I uh, I, uh, and then in level two, you fight uh uh uh, lucille, lucille yeah lucille yep. botts which is like in, when i'm looking at hindsight i think wow what an obscure reference a villain in one episode who only has like wanted posters throughout the series after that but she was like kind of the 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 final boss so to speak of the first season technically she was in the f- finale of uh season one i uh, i uh, some enchanted evening yep
3: which, Not by design, though. would <laughs> true. If anyone wants to know about that, they'll learn later on in the Simpsons.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I. So, so as far as that goes, yeah. The I, uh, I. So Bots is the the boss of the second level, and then level three is uh, Krusty Land, right? Yes. Which is kind of interesting because I uh, we uh, eventually find out there's really no Krusty Land. There's actually in Scratchy Land later in the series, but Krusty doesn't have his own theme park, does he? Throughout the Simpsons,
3: he's got a camp crusty. He camp went Krusty. to the water park at one point. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever had his own theme park that I know of.
1: Itchy and Scratchy do, but not Krusty the Clown. And uh, so, uh, but I, I'll give him points for some cleverness there. You know, Land, You know, that's that's pretty pretty slick. The the thing that caught me off guard the most in this level, aside from the fact that the now the aliens are collecting balloons. Uh, not sure,
2: not sure why. They need the helium.
0: <laughs> Is that what it's about?
2: That's my guess.
3: That, I'll buy that. That makes more sense than hats, because <laughs> <laughs> at least you could weaponize helium.
1: I mean, yeah. All right. Fair
2: enough. They're going in the right direction.
1: Sure. Sure. Fair enough. The, the aliens are working until on the it. next level. <laughs> mm, yeah. So the the when I was uh, doing the research on this uh, uh, episode, I was I was looking at you know or watching uh, a playthrough, and I was like, that kid throwing bombs in Krusty Land, he looks like a deal. A deal from uh the episode where Bart and and uh uh and him trade places uh he's the Albanian foreign exchange student who you find out is a spy and sure enough like all the walkthroughs I see online they show that it's a deal and it was like wow what a I mean all right, fair enough like that's that's the uh like makes sense a deal uh, a deal was in the first season right the the crepes of Wrath. uh that's uh season one right
0: yep yeah that's so the end of
1: season one yeah, so I, uh, I, so yeah, he he would have been another character that they could utilize, and it's the Albanian foreign exchange student throwing bombs at Bart.
2: If I remember correctly, he was arrested at the end of the episode, though.
1: Right. He he was deported back to uh, oh, okay. Albania. Yeah. yeah, they had a prisoner exchange. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Albanian foreign exchange student was Albania like an like a, an enemy of America's back in like then. I haven't done enough research on, on uh, Albania's relations with America back then, but I feel like that's kind of a weird choice for a country, though maybe it was, was Albania part of like USSR back then?
3: My history's not that
1: good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do uh, research on that another time, perhaps for Nines Land Arcade. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, at the end of that uh, 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 level is Sideshow Special Bob. Bob yep. Yeah, which you know, great, great choice. You know, he's he's another villain from the first season who would eventually be Bart's true mortal enemy throughout the rest of the uh,
2: uh, series. And uh, to defeat him, you have to step on his feet. <laughs>
1: Which is clever. I like that a lot because that's the gimmick of that episode is that uh, uh, Bart realizes uh, Sideshow Bob's feet are too big and Krusty has tiny feet, but, you know, big floppy clown shoes that, you know, have nothing in them, basically. Uh, So the next episode, though, or next episode, the, uh, the next level is at... The Springfield Natural H- uh, History Museum, which, all right, okay, it's a it's a gimmicky nature level, and they can throw in, like, exhibits, right? Like, that makes
2: sense.
0: But, Glitch, what, what what do the aliens
1: want now?
2: I mean, they're looking for exit signs, specifically.
1: Oh, exit signs, of course. Sean, uh, you remember that time I built a doomsday weapon out of exit signs, right? Remember? Uh, no, those stop signs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Never mind, you're right. That's That's crazy talk. Exit signs exit signs also it what's what's kind of weird to me is in like the first level he has to cover up the color purple so there's some clever stuff where you can put like you drop sheets on stuff that's purple and it covers it up or it turns it red or he destroys it whatever the case may be that's you know some some a little bit more clever game design I think after that though it's mostly just collecting stuff
2: yeah destroying or collecting yeah basically.
1: destroying and collecting and it, and, it, and that's real weird to me that like they put that much thought into the first level and by the natural history museum i i you know there was just yeah. no dang
2: not. deadlines
1: yeah basically uh so the,
2: uh, so who do you fight at the end of that level because i didn't fight. i didn't read what any kind of walkthrough you know i've just watched and played the game who who does it say it is cuz I have a I I have a suspicion on who it is.
0: It
1: is Dr. Marvin Monroe. Okay, so it is
2: Marvin Monroe even though it looks nothing like him it does really not. other than just, you know, his facial features. He's real trim. He's got blue beard, uh-huh.
1: blue hair and I uh, uh and the only reason I was like cuz I was looking at him I was like, is that Dr. Marvin Monroe? And then like electricity goes across the ground and I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, that's the the reference to uh uh you know, that episode that I uh, I think Sean might uh, might like. We'll have to do some research on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do some research. I love that episode. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah, it. it. It was uh, uh, No disgrace Like Home. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. and uh, uh Make sure that's on uh, Noiseland Arcade. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, so Dr. Marvin M- uh, Monroe, uh, what I was hoping for, and this is real twisted, so you'll have to bear with me, but I was kind of you twisted, Craig. All right, fair enough. I'll take that. I'll take that sarcasm, but I, I, I was so hoping because I was like, "Oh man, Doctor Mon- Marvin R- uh, Monroe dies." They eventually have a, a hospital named after him because he just vanishes from the show, and I thought, "What if he stopped appearing after this game released and Bart technically killed him?" <laughs> and I was like, "Come on, come on, come on, come on!" And uh, I looked it up, and no, he, he, his last appearance, I guess, is in season five as like a background character.
2: Um. Actually, I believe he came back on a recent season. Yeah, in fan fiction.
1: <laughs> yeah, stuff that doesn't matter.
2: Glitch.
3: So Marvin Monroe, as a boss, could have been really unique. He could have been torturing your family, and there could have been some kind of life meter where you got to protect them and defeat him before then. But no, <laughs> it's just fight him. Jump on his head. Yep. Jump on his head. Give, give the old noggin a floggin'. Like if Marge was chained up and being electrocuted by Marvin Monroe,
1: would be like, oh my god, I gotta save my mom. That's also even somehow, more, well, I was gonna say somehow more twisted than Bart murdering Dr. Marvin Monroe, <laughs> but maybe not quite that twisted. But it would have been a good game design. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the boss battles are pretty lacking. I mean, it's just the same yeah. thing over. You're, you're jumping or you're avoiding or you're throwing. It's just that What's one-on-one battle. What's funny to think, though, is that Dr. Marvin Monroe is technically
1: the final boss of this game. Because we get to the final level, which is the nuclear power plant. And finally, the aliens have wised up and they're collecting inanimate carbon rods to power their, their super ultimate weapon the best plant
2: employee that there is. Yeah. I mean employee of the month for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely employee <laughs> of the month. I can only hope that they show some uh, uh close ups of the rod at some point. <laughs> so the uh the final level is the nuclear power plant. And it's like, oh okay, this is uh, uh this this makes sense. It's in Springfield. It's it's very fitting for a finale. It's uh you know it's it sounds pretty good. And uh, uh, you go through the power plant, you collect the rods because you what's weird is like the aliens want them but like they they need to be put back into the core so they were re- removed from the core but left around the power plant which is a little weird a little weird but whatever the power plant employees like to screw around they were probably <laughs> doing something with them fair enough that's that's you know <laughs> Homer uh Lenny Carl and Charlie don't exist they're not exactly uh the best employees ever I uh, don't forget Zootroy, <laughs> Zootroy, and uh, Stuart the Duck. Whack! <laughs> <laughs> Back to work, Stuart. So they they you, you go through, you collect a, all of them. You get down to the the core, and one rod is missing. Maggie takes her pacifier out, throws it in because in the last level, which is actually kind of cool, uh, unlike all the other uh, levels where only one family member would help you out in the finale. Uh, Maggie, uh, or all of the family members are around. Like, Lisa gives you hints. Uh, Marge, I think, uh, yeah, I think all of them basically give you hints, and then Maggie comes in. So,
2: yeah, Marge will run the rods down to the core for you. That's right. Homer is like a, he's like a power-up. It's like, you use him, he'll destroy the enemies on the screen.
1: Oh! Gotcha, gotcha. And so... And then Lisa gives hints. Yeah. That's right. So Maggie throws her pacifier into the, the final slot of the core, the final you know, spot where there's one missing rod of the uh you know of it. And it abruptly ends. It's like, you win. And then it's like the aliens leave the planet and they're like, curse you, Bart Simpson, but you were a worthy adversary. We shall reward you. And they put his face into the Mount Rushmore. There's a, a a badly like shot like a, a badly condensed sound of him going cool man, and he repeats it a few
2: times, and then the game's over. Yeah, they consider him an intergalactic hero. <laughs> and then uh, during a family trip, it says that uh, they came across Ros- Ru- Mount Rushmore, and he just added on to the left uh-huh. next to George Washington. Yeah, yeah,
3: Bart was the true president of the United States <laughs> at that point. <laughs> he was
1: the
2: true president the whole time. You say the, the about the cool man. I realize that he doesn't have much dialogue other than "cool man." Is that all he says?
1: Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. Oh,
2: when he dies. Yeah, that's when right. he dies, yep.
1: he yells "Eat my shorts," and uh,
2: that's about it. Mm-hmm. The, like the
1: the game is like has a really really and you know it's maybe better that you never finished it glitch because it's just like it abruptly ends and it's just like, oh, that's it. That's the end of the game. So the Mount
3: Rushmore thing, Mm -hmm. is that in reference to George Bush saying that he wanted to be on Mount Rushmore
1: and their rivalry
3: with Bush at the time? Is Mm -hmm. that like a
1: reference to that? Maybe, but this was pretty early in The Simpsons, season one. But then, I mean, Bush was... Pretty much against them from the very beginning. Yeah, and
3: Bush did say he wanted every president to be on some kind of monument like that. He thought it would be a really neat idea. So maybe that's their little take on, ha ha! (laughs) We gotcha! We gotcha, (laughs) Bush! We gotcha! So, also, that didn't play well at all with people. No one liked that, and he said it, like, maybe one or two times, and then was
1: done with that idea. Oh, really? Huh. Huh. So, here's a question for you guys. Uh, before we we inevitably get to the music, uh, I want to ask you guys. So, this is Bart versus the Space Mutants, correct? Yes. Yes. Mutants implies that they're changed from different space creatures. So... Like that's like I, I'm sure they went with the name just because it was like like 90s cliche stuff like oh, space mutants and stuff. And, and like also from the show. But like that would imply that the mutants that we see in the game and the mutants in the movie version are just mutated versions of like Kane and Kodos.
3: No. See, I think they're mutants because they take the forms of humans. They mutate into the forms of humans. They did it in both the show and in the game.
1: That's true. I could see that. I almost see them more as, like, parasitic-like forms because, like, they're on the human and then, like, you hit them off the human and they go flying away. But I guess the humans vanish afterwards. So maybe either they're, they're mutating into the humans... Or Bart's murdering people.
2: Yeah. So what is it that he's collecting them when he hits them on the head? Like a coin. That's is it like their soul? Like he's collecting their souls?
1: <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I really hope so. That that would make me connect a lot more with this game because it's
2: not like a coin. It is like that that like head with the with the sprouts sticking out of it that he grabs up after you hit him on the head. He said, "I always thought it was a coin." Or is grabs. that what flies away?
1: Oh yeah, that's what flies away. The the creepy alien okay. with like the eye and the little tendrils right. flying off, which I. Uh, which also leads me to another point is the box art is actually kind of cool. Like if you look at the box art, uh, it shows uh very, and I don't know if graining actually designed the, the aliens, but they're very graining style, you know? Uh, it also has a bunch of the characters like Apu and uh, uh, the Simpson family and some random dude in like a white coat with like a, a, a megaphone on the roof of the Simpsons home. I'm not sure who that's supposed to be. He's got like a hard hat on. Maybe it's like, I don't know, Sherry and Terry's dad from that one episode, (laughs) Just some obscure character that like they're like, oh, this is a guy in the first season. They're all men. But I, I, but yeah, the uh, like the the box art aliens and the aliens throughout the game still look nothing like the two aliens that like, you know, like decide what's going to be collected. Those aliens are real creepy looking.
2: I don't like them. And uh, actually, uh, to make a point on Bart uses the X-ray glasses. I think is a it's that's from They Live. They basically yep. pull that from the movie They Live, where he can see who's aliens and who's humans through the 3D glasses. Oh.
3: Rowdy Roddy Piper, John Carpenter film, great sci-fi film, nineteen eighty-seven, eighty-eight.
1: Wait, what about Rowdy Roddy Piper? <laughs> he's the, the lead of this movie. Yeah, he's the main, really? main yeah. actor. Really, yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Make sure I get that right. Mr. Rowdy is... He's the main character from They Live?
3: Yeah, that's where the line I've come here to kick out oh! and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of gum comes
1: from. Wow! That is ridiculous. Uh, I had no idea that that was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's
0: a great <laughs> film for <laughs> anyone who wants to watch it. That is
1: awesome! <laughs> oh man, so... So I, I think we have to chat about the music for a couple of minutes.
2: Well, I got a couple of things to oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, with the speed running. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Mexican speedrunner used to have this record last year. Uh-huh. Uh, it was beat out by Chaos Legion, uh, Karu. Um, do you guys want to give a guess at the time he got?
1: Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say he probably beat the game. The fastest you can beat it is what? I don't know, like maybe uh, uh half hour, 14 minutes and 23 seconds.
2: It was pretty close. Uh, Fifteen minutes and fifty-five seconds. Man, yeah. so it's the only time under sixteen minutes. Wow! But I mean, considering that there's five levels and all the collecting, especially in that last level, it's yeah. like a maze. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. it's not just a straight through level one, level two. Like you're not just going through the power plant like you know floor to floor. Yeah, you got to go back and forth. It's a, it's a maze.
1: Yeah, yeah. It I I mean I kudos to to him for for memorizing <laughs> that. I I. I'm not gonna say I couldn't. I just don't want to. Not with those controls. I don't think I would <laughs> no. ever try to attempt it with those controls. No, they're they're not very good. The unfortunately the the console Simpsons games didn't really get good for quite a
2: long time. Um, and then there's some glitches. Uh, one of oh, them and- is a, is a bug in the game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In the power plant when you're on the third floor, there's a spot where you can drop down to an area and you can't jump out of it. Really, the really? Drive. There's an enemy down there that can kill you, but if you use the Homer power-up where it destroys enemies on the screen, you're basically stuck. And you just have to either reset or let the time run out, which, in that last level, the timer is set for 90, 999 seconds. Wow. So if you're having to wait that out, you're going to be sitting there for a while. That is so depressing. Um, And then there's one more, which is kind of just more like it's, I don't know, it's kind of like an Easter egg, I guess. It's Uh nothing special. It's not like you're advancing to the end of a level or anything. There's, with the same Homer item, if you use that right before you go to Maggie to get the last rod, Mm -hmm. uh, when you go down to the core, you can actually run around on the core platform. Whereas normally you can only stand in the elevator. Interesting. That's really weird. It's something with the way Homer hits the ground it's supposed to like shake the enemies off the screen and i think it unlocks bart from being in the standard position.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, that's so weird. I uh, Yeah, so I uh, I I did want to touch on the music because technically and this is this is a bit of a reach so bear with me guys, but this is technically Danny Elfman's very first video game credit, right? Perhaps His Simpsons theme made it into here. The only other thing I can think of is maybe if it like in the Batman video game, like if Danny Elfman's theme was used there. But I feel like Sunsoft came up with their own original soundtrack for the Batman game. Like, I can't think of any other Danny Elfman's like songs that would have beat out Bart vs. the Space Mutants. This is the very first, you know, Simpsons video game. So Danny Elfman first hit video games in this game. And there was another composer, and uh, uh, I have mixed feelings about this. So, uh, you know, Danny Elfman obviously, you know, did a bunch of movie soundtracks like Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas and
3: Lead singer of Oingo Boingo. Yeah, <laughs> ton of stuff.
1: Ton. So, uh, the rest of the game music, though, was composed by Mark Van Heck, who also worked on A Boy in His Blob, Trouble in Blobulonia. So, like, a part of me is like, oh, okay, I kind of like the music for that. Like, it's just one main theme, really. But, like, it's kind of nice, you know? It's not bad. But all of his other so- like soundtracks that he's done, like or or video game music he's composed for, have been, like, kind of crappy, you know, like, licensed game tie-ins. Like, Ren and Stimpy games on the Super Nintendo and stuff. And uh, I the, the s- entire soundtrack is mostly just the main simpsons theme and then bits of it are ripped out to make jingles and stuff he didn't really do a lot
3: so he, he remixed it <laughs> it's not composing
1: though it's being a remixer it's no better than a dj but he was the coolest Simpsons <laughs> dj there was <laughs> oh so, so let's go ahead and uh, uh give a listen to the the Simpsons theme this is the title music this is what is it uh glitch levels one three and five yeah this is like just almost all of the music in the game is this theme which I mean it's a nice theme but it gets it can get a little repetitive so let's uh go ahead and uh, uh give it a listen here
2: enjoy that so much just that eight bit transition from a song to what they put in the video game
1: i love the way they do that yeah they it's it's honestly really fun it's a it's you know the simpsons theme in general is is really great anyway uh but uh but they did a pretty decent job of putting it to eight bit you know so let's listen to the theme for stages two and four yep And, uh, um, you know, let's just give it a listen.
2: I don't know about that song so much. It kinda sounds like they just took the first track and just spliced it right like a whole bunch of different places. It's yeah, they
1: they that is almost absolutely what they did with the whole soundtrack. They they just like perpetually took like jingles and parts of it and like just remixed it and like change like not even really change it, just sort of took portions out and just lengthened it or something. Like it was this this Van Heck guy maybe some of his other games he did some pretty good work but not not really here it's weird that they didn't get elf
3: clausen who does the music for the show to make songs and then make eight bit versions of them yeah because he's always done the background music he still does the background music to the show it
1: pro if i had to wager a guess it was probably money they probably were like how much does this elf guy cla- you know cost and they were like uh here's the number and they're like Hey, uh, Van Hack, what do you do it for? And Van Hack was like, I don't know what. I'll do it for a sandwich. You got a sandwich on you? And they're like, no, we don't have a sandwich. He's like, well, you, you give me a sandwich and I'll do it. I'll do it for a sandwich. I'll do it for half
2: a sandwich. I'll do it for a hat. They're like, hats. That's a great idea.
1: I'll do
3: it for that exit sign you guys got hanging up there. I mean, come on.
1: You gonna rip that off the wall for me or what? So, so yeah, the the all, all in all... BART vs. the Space Mutants is not a very good game. The controls are lousy. Everything after the first level is no longer clever, and it's just sort of lame. Uh, even the first level has issues. So, all in all, it's not that great of a game, but it is the first Simpsons video game we have. And, it honestly, I mean, it spawned so many other games after it, you know? It could have been worse. It. You're right.
2: It could have <laughs> been worse. I would love to have seen what they could have done with the final product if they had more time. Oh, absolutely. But then at the same time, I mean if you look at Bart versus the world, it really isn't much different. Oh, it's
1: honestly worse. Uh, Cuz like in that it's just straight platforming. There's like no puzzle elements or anything. There's nothing There's no real references or anything. You know, all the other Simpsons games for the Nintendo, I think they just realized they're like, "Oh, so it sells." oh, okay, whatever, just slap whatever out there. It doesn't matter. you know. But it's funny because I've not played it, but apparently the ZX Spectrum version of this game got good reviews. Even the Nintendo version, when this first came out, a lot of reviewers were like, ah, it's it's nothing great. You know, ah, the controls are kind of lousy. Ah, it's kind of lame. It got a 66 out of 100 in Nintendo Power. Yeah, and Nintendo Power really hyped up its Nintendo games. Like it it was kind of unheard of for a game to be under seventy. I feel like in Nintendo Power. It just seemed like they were always like, oh, this game's worth checking out. And it was like, but but this is this is Color a Dinosaur. And Nintendo Power is like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's 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 okay. Give it a shot. You'll like it. Reddit it at least. Color four dinosaurs. Go for it. Kid. <laughs> at least color four dinosaurs. At least, and then come back. But but yeah, this got a sixty six. But apparently the ZX Spectrum version. Got like a score in like the '90s or something like that. It was it got a surprisingly high score, and people seem to like it. But I don't own a ZX Spectrum and like this copy of the game on it to know.
2: So for any of our fans out there who are ZX Spectrum people, let us know. I will also say uh, if you want to know a little bit more about this game, uh, so Craig and Chops did an interview with a guy uh, Patrick Hickey Jr. Yeah, who came out with a book called. Uh, the Minds Behind the Games interview with cult and classic video game developers, and there's a chapter he does on this game, Barb versus Space Mutants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, check that book out. It is a, a, a solid book. It's a great read. But also uh, make sure to go back and uh, check out that interview if you yeah. haven't already. It was uh, it was a very fun episode to do. A uh, uh, lot of lot of interesting uh, uh, stuff going on in that episode. So make sure to check that out. But uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, it's about time that we uh, uh, take a short break. Hear a word from our sponsors and we'll get to our retro relapse. Jones in for a classic game? It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. So Glitch, you uh, you say you chose this game at
2: random, but it doesn't feel random, does it, Sean?
3: No, it feels like you kind of set it up for this episode.
2: Well, I mean, I don't see how you guys, I don't, I don't see the connection. It's an acclaimed game. Okay, I, so I see that. Okay, it's a claim game, but it, what else? It's a
3: licensed acclaimed game.
2: Okay, so it's licensed, but I mean.
1: And it's also based on a cartoon.
2: Okay, you guys got me. So it's, uh, so South Park <laughs> Rally is what we picked for the Retro Relapse uh, for the N64.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, uh, back in the, what was it, late 90s. Uh, the uh, Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation had gotten a bunch of like adult quote unquote, uh, uh, South Park games. And you know, because it was like, oh, there's cursing and there's there's fart jokes and this is hilarious. This is the greatest thing ever. And they much like the Simpsons games on the Nintendo, they were licensed cash grabs.
3: I think the Simpsons games were better than the South Park games.
1: Now, that is a bold claim because those those <laughs> these Simpsons games on the Nintendo are not that great. But I will say you're not wrong. This was a really weird racing game, like South Park Rally here. Like when 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 Glitch brought it up to us, I thought, oh okay, it's like just Mario Kart but with South Park, which isn't far off. But rather than racing around a track and just doing standard like laps, it's kind of like there's a maze. You have to choose like You have to uh well you. Don't get a lot of choice, I guess, but you you have to go to certain checkpoints, right?
2: Yeah, and it's not linear at all. So it's not just a, a circle map. You hit the one, two, three, four checkpoints in a circle. It's just scattered throughout the map.
1: It's a labyrinth the town of south park is a labyrinth and you're caught in it and there might as well be a minotaur chasing you down to murder you because it's just like it was such a weird slog i just like i i didn't get a single lap by the like i went around a bunch of times i was like man i feel like i've gone through this like five times how am i not number one and then i realized i was like oh oh no this isn't how the game works at all
2: So there is a map that shows you the checkpoints, but the thing is, it doesn't tell you which of the checkpoints you still need to hit. So if you missed one, and you don't realize and you're hitting two, three, four, you just waste all that time because you you didn't hit one. There is an arrow that points you, but it just seems like that arrow has no idea where you're you're supposed to go.
1: (laughs) Well, to top it off, I like because when I first saw the map, I was like, okay, that's where I am. That's where I'm heading. And... Uh, And I I looked down again, and I was like, oh, why am I not going in the right direction? And I realized, oh, no, that's not my map. That's all of our map. It is one map for everybody, and I was the green arrow, but I was looking at the red arrow, because that's what I thought would be me. And so I was just going in circles, getting hit by trains and stuff, because for some reason, the first level has bulldozers and trains that will you know murder you. And Saddam Hussein. And Saddam Hussein, which... (laughs) <laughs> Sounds random, but I guess it was a part of the show. M- much like the uh uh, uh Bart vs Space Mutants, there are a decent amount of references to early South Park in the uh, South Park Rally. But uh the gameplay didn't really seem to make up for it. The, the the items that you could get like I didn't know what they were. It was like I would get something I'd just be like, "All right, let's shoot it and see what happens." Like at one point, like uh, uh, what is it? Sparky the dog, like gets a hold of your your vehicle and he can't and it can't move. It like freezes your enemy up. There's like the the underpants gnomes. There's some real weird stuff, but like
3: I d- I never knew what they did. There were rats because apparently they carried away Kenny's corpse at
1: one point. Yeah. so they were a thing. Oh,
3: you
2: have to yeah. be very. I feel like in order to know what the what the power ups did, you had to have been familiar with the show.
1: Absolutely. And even then, though, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with early South Park and like when I got the underpants gnomes, I was like, I, I don't know what this is going to do. Let's let's shoot and see what happens. And all you hear is like the gnome sing his little like uh, like kind of go to work, work all day song. And like he like collides into somebody. And I'm like, ah, I guess it damaged him. I have no idea.
3: I feel like in most Mario Kart knockoffs, at least you know what the weapons are. They're like, it's a missile. It's a missile in crash team racing. You shoot it forward. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's that simple. You drop it behind you.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you not know that tacos are going to make you go faster because you fart?
1: <laughs>
3: I hate you, glitch. <laughs> I hate you, tons.
1: I, I, it, what I, what I hate the most though is you're not far off because when I got that, I was just like, "What is this? Is it some kind of crude speed speed boost item?" Yep, that yep, it sure is. Well, I'll be damned. That's that's what it is. I uh, so so what what do you what do you guys give this on the 8-bit scale? On a scale of 1 to 8, 8 being the best, 1 being the worst, what do do you guys give this game?
2: So I I played this game on the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I first played it. I don't own it on the PlayStation, I own it on the N64, but it is an exact port. They're the exact same game.
1: Yeah, because we played on the N64, so we at least could all play together, which was kind of neat.
2: Later in the levels, it's not so much like hit checkpoints. There's some levels where you Mm -hmm. it's like uh, you get a grab an item yeah and then everyone's going after you and it's whoever has that item on their on themselves for the oh. for a time period you advance the next level so there are different elements that we didn't see there is a uh battle mode which is kind of like just like mario kart but instead of you know shells it's butts <laughs>
1: no instead of balloons it's uh it's, instead, of balloons it's, yeah, yeah, instead right. of balloons it's it's butts yeah it's butts
2: it's butts. um I, I give it a I give it a four out of eight. I think four it's eight? uh I think it was fun for the time it came out. It's got its South Park elements, so it wasn't like it's a South Park game, but it has nothing to do with South Park. It still sure. has all the same characters that you can unlock. Um and the, all the all the all the power ups, you know, it's Mr. Hanky, it's you know, things that deal with the game. So I thought that was pretty cool.
3: I would give it a four just based on the amount of voice work they put in there. Because there's a lot of voice clips for every character, even characters who you can't even play as have voice clips. Kyle's mom was the announcer for all the races.
2: Was it Cal's mom or was it the mayor? Oh, Um, I don't remember which one it was. I was thinking it was the mayor that was talking.
0: I was thinking it was the mayor, but it might have been Kyle's mom. Weren't they the same voice actress? This is probably is. I, I,
2: yeah, yeah so I,
1: that actually yeah, that makes sense then. Uh honestly, I think I give this a three out of eight. I, I feel like the 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 gimmick of like hit the checkpoints was just so clumsy and clunky and like the the fact that it's like the first race and it's like, all right, let me just round this hill, I got hit by a bulldozer. Alright, let me go to this oh, I got hit by a train. Like it was just like I, I, I didn't, what we played, I didn't really appreciate. And even in the battle mode when we played, I had the hardest time seeing you guys. I just, I won for the record, but my strategy was to go from one end, I wouldn't see anybody. I'd fire off all my weapons. Go to the, go to the end, get weapons, because it was a big football field we played on in this, this arena. I'd loop around and go the other way, fire off all the weapons. I couldn't see any of you the entire time I played. I think I bumped into uh, whoever was driving a chef in that battle. That was me. Yeah. That was you. Yeah, I bumped into you like twice. I think you hit me at one of those times we bumped into each other, and it was like, ah, shucks. ah, hamburgers. And then I kept driving and just kept firing off missiles and stuff and whatever else I could get a hold of. Now, did this come out before
3: Diddy Kong Racing?
1: Oh,
2: that's a good question.
3: I know it came out after Mario Kart, but did it come out before Diddy Kong Racing?
2: That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I, I know this wasn't the first South Park game, That's because they had the South Park title, which was a first-person shooter. I know this came out... And then there was uh, a mini game It was like Chef's Love Shack. Uh, it was like a trivia so game. Weird.
1: Uh, so weird. So this game came out in uh, on PlayStation, the PlayStation version, uh, December of 1999, uh, December 13th. Now, uh, Diddy Kong Racing, though, well, let's uh, uh, double check on that because uh, I'm not really sure.
2: You said 99? Yeah, 99. Because yeah, I know the show came out in 97, I believe, right? Was it uh, late 97, 98?
1: Coincidentally, uh, when South Park came out, the show Diddy Kong Racing came out uh, in uh, America. It came out in November of 1997. So this was a couple of years before South Park Rally.
2: Okay. So okay. this came out after.
3: So they already had elements they could have stolen from Diddy Kong Racing for an adventure mode. Mm-hmm. They had Mario Kart. Uh-huh. And they turned at this.
1: Yep. <laughs> Three
3: out of eight. <laughs> Three out of eight. I dropped <laughs> down after that.
1: <laughs> Three out of eight. So, I uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our music brackets. So, I uh, we've been doing opening themes for our our music brackets, and and some of them have been real real close. There's been a few washouts here and there, but uh, a lot of them have been real, real close, which is always great to see. I love seeing that they're they're pretty neck and neck.
2: Okay, we had one that won by one. It had 100 votes, over 100 votes, and won by one vote. That was when Earthbound lost, right? Yeah, it was when Earthbound lost. Oh, that's I so know. depressing. What were you guys thinking? <laughs> right? <laughs> that Earthbound so... song
3: is so good. I voted for the Earthbound song. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put my vote up. voted?
2: Oh. <laughs> with... <laughs> <sighs> So there was some something sketchy going on there. I think there was some some votes being sold. I think you're right.
0: There was
1: something real, real shady going on there because Chops is really intent on winning the whole thing here. But regardless, no matter. Also, Chops really doesn't like Earthbound for some reason. Like he's really anti Earthbound, very, very against it. And when I've asked him about it, he's just like, oh, "I'm just, it's just not my thing." He's very, he's real quick to cover that up. I think there's some deep-seated reasons for his hatred.
2: We can for just Earthbound. do an episode about Chops' poor choices and things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's gonna have to be a Patreon special. Chops' poor choices. Doesn't like Earthbound, doesn't like the moon. What a jerk. I hate him. Uh, so we love you, Chops. You use the word we there, the glitch. He was referring to me. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Because not all of us here love Chops. I'm not. I'm not taking that back. I'm staying on. I'm, I'm staying. That's. <laughs> Chops Ch- Ch- Ch isn't gonna listen to this. And even if he hears it, he won't remember it anyway. Anyway, uh, so let's go ahead and jump into our uh, uh, music break here. So the uh, uh, first game we have up is uh, the uh, title theme, the opening to Super Mario Kart. Uh, let's go ahead and give it a listen. uh uh there, there's kind of got that uh, uh calypso vibe going from the super mario uh, kart soundtrack it's one of my favorite soundtracks and the music is composed by uh soyo oka who also did the music for sim city and i believe pilot wings she did a lot of the music for early super nintendo and uh super mario kart in general uh is just like i I love the soundtrack so much it's so
3: good she was real young when she did that soundtrack too she was just out of college I really believe. I believe they scooped her up just out of college to do pilot wings yeah but she was like eighteen nineteen when she
1: did wow good on her because like I and the really sad thing though is that to the best of my knowledge soyo oka outside of those early uh Super Nintendo games didn't stay in the field of uh video game creation when it came to music i I don't know what she does these days i I'd love to to delve into that of course because i love her music but i don't know that she's done a lot of video games after early super nintendo hmm. so I uh, next up going against super mario kart is a, a very far cry from super mario kart it is the opening to kingdom hearts one which is uh, the the music is done by yoko Shinomo, uh, uh, shinomura shinomura Uh, However, the opening song is performed by Hikaru Utada, who has now gone on to being, I mean, I think she was pretty popular at the time in Japan, but even in America, she started to gain some popularity. She's done the openings for uh, like all the Kingdom Hearts and even the newest Evangelion movies. She's done a lot of the songs for like the the vocal songs. Uh, So let's go ahead and uh, uh, give the opening to Kingdom Hearts a uh, listen here.
2: You know, as as Craig's playing these songs, uh, we're watching the intro to the game as well. And I, I forget oh. how great this intro is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a really cool intro
2: the visuals are so great
1: the, it's a very trippy intro it really is and uh, uh, even though I never really got into Kingdom Hearts it just like it didn't really catch me like a lot of other you know game series at that time did and uh, the one thing I will say though is I absolutely had that song downloaded off of like Napster or Livewire whatever I had at the time to get a hold of it like I absolutely love that song but I never really got into the games that much. The the music at least is solid.
2: I never got past the first game. The first I, I enjoyed the first game a lot, but it was uh, something about the second one. The controls were. A little bit different. I don't remember what it was, something with the analog sticks, and it just, like, from the beginning off. threw me off. 100. I was going to say,
3: did you make it to the Little Mermaid part? and No. Because that's where everyone stops. <laughs> oh, really?
1: Okay. <laughs> it's like a bad rhythm game. Oh, right. I forgot about that. I, I played uh, the first one up until, like, the Tarzan level, and, like, there, like I got lost in this, like, maze of trees, and I was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. There isn't nearly enough Squaresoft characters in this. And, uh, yeah, I, I ended up putting it down. But, uh, we're actually soon to get Kingdom Hearts 3 wow. coming out, uh, uh, soon. Which is funny that we're discussing this as retro music just a couple of games ago. But now 3 is just now coming out. I. Uh,
3: but I mean, God, the first Kingdom
1: Hearts came out, what,
3: 15, 16
1: years ago? It's
3: a long time now. Uh, it like yeah, three, it came right? out
1: in September of 2002. Two, okay. In 2002, uh, came out in America, uh, so yeah, those are our uh, two games, though, uh, that are going
2: head-to-head. We have Super Mario Kart and <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, which... Uh, I mean, that's kind of been the theme so far. It's just like It's just like one spectrum to the next. Yeah. I mean, it's... None of these, I mean, with the exception of the Manic Mansion one, with both of them being the Lucas Arts.
1: And the last episode we did was two openings to, like, like epic RPGs. Right. So, like, there, there have been a few kind of similar things here and there, but, like, this is definitely yeah. one that's a just a, a crazy difference, you know? And we do it all random. You know, we we get our collection of songs, we sl- sl- throw them out randomly, and we see what happens. And so, we'll, we'll just see what uh, goes on here, of course. So... Make sure that you're uh, jumping on Facebook, uh, finding our page there, The Legend of Retro, so that you can go ahead and make sure that your vote counts. Aside from that, you can join us on Discord, chat with us there. Uh, on top of that, uh, you know we actually have uh, on the Gamesilla uh, Media Network quite a few other shows. And if you haven't already been able to guess, this episode is a very, very thinly very, very thinly veiled uh, excuse to hype up Noiseland Arcade, which Sean and I are a part of. Sean, how do you how do you feel about Noiseland Arcade? Tell, tell everybody about it.
3: Noiseland Arcade's a lot of fun. If you guys are fans of The Simpsons, Craig and I are going through every episode of The Simpsons. That matters. And we're uh, basically giving a breakdown for each one and how it was significant at the time that it came out.
1: Yeah, we go through a little bit of history. Uh, we, we, uh, uh, we become those like the, the worst kind of nerds ever where we pick apart like the animation where we're like, oh, they did a really terrible job here. Uh, you know, we, uh, uh, we, we, we just nerd out about it in like the worst and best ways. So if you're a fan of The Simpsons and you're a fan of us or at least me, Uh, make sure to check out Noiseland Arcade.
3: Even if you're not a fan of The Simpsons, check it out, because it's really goofy to break down an episode of a TV show and give someone's critical opinion on what they really hate or love
1: about it.
2: And uh, what day is that released? It releases Sundays
1: at 8 a.m. 12-hour uh, difference from when the show actually releases, but I wanted to make sure that people can get it a little early. So it uh, releases every Sunday morning, uh, you know that classic eight eight o'clock spot. Even if it's off by 12 hours, just think of it as a different time zone, I guess. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, make sure to uh, go ahead and download that on your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, if you are enjoying it, make sure to drop reviews. You know, if you don't think it deserves five stars, that's okay. You know, you can give. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fish for five star reviews. But if you're giving me less than four, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> and it's at least, least worth it. four.
2: And then every day of the week we have a show. So we have the Last Action Podcast on Mondays. Yeah. GameZilla podcast, Tuesdays, yep. Wednesdays, is Noobs and Dragons yeah. with uh, DM Craig WK. Yeah. Uh, Thursday is the show, and then Fridays we have the Movie Blast with Bob and Bax.
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, nearly every day of the week, we're working on it.
2: Sunday, we'll soon have something. Yeah. Or so, Saturday. Saturday we'll, uh, see,
1: we'll, we'll work on Saturday. I'm not sure. There, there's, <laughs> this isn't some kind of like special <laughs> leak or anything like that. We legitimately have no idea <laughs> what will go there sa- on Saturdays, but... It's definitely something we're considering for the future of course because you know the more shows the better the more content we can bring you the better and if you'd like more content if you want more stuff make sure that you check out our patreon page if you go to patreon.com slash gamezilla media you're gonna get access to our retro le- retro relapse videos early. When we have videos, Uh, you'll also, uh, of course, get our uh, Game Sharks uh, show for Legend of Retro, where once a month we have a bonus episode just for the patrons. Uh, And then on top of that, every other show has some bonuses as well, like uh, Noobs and Dragons has uh, behind the DM screen. And for Noiseland Arcade, starting up in January, we're going to have uh, some bonus content there as well. So look forward to that. Is there anything else uh, that uh, we'd like to say about uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants, Noiseland Arcade, and the Simpsons type?
2: The Simpson games were decent, then?
0: They weren't horrible. They
1: were games. If you'd like a podcast that's infinitely better than the Nintendo games, make sure to check out <laughs> Noiseland Arcade. It will not disappoint like Bart versus the Space Mutants and Bart versus the World. And Bart versus the Juggernauts, and Krusty's Funhouse, and actually Krusty's Funhouse was was pretty good.
2: It's Simpsons wrestling,
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> Simpsons wrestling, <laughs> oh my heart. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll we'll find us a good Simpsons game, and maybe we'll be back with Sean to uh, cover that in the future. Uh, but uh, I definitely appreciate everybody uh, uh, listening on our show, and as always, we'll see you next time when, when the legend, legend continues. continues.